Chapter Eight of the Legends of King Arthur and His Knights by James Knowles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: King Arthur conquers Rome and is crowned Emperor. And now again the second time there came ambassadors from Lucius Tiberius, Emperor of Rome, demanding under pain of war tribute and homage from king arthur and the restoration of all gaul which he had conquered from the tribune floyo when they had delivered their message the king bade them withdraw while he consulted with his knights and barons what reply to send then some of the younger knights would have slain the ambassadors saying that their speech was a rebuke to all who heard the king insulted by it but when king arthur heard that he ordered none to touch them upon pain of death and sending officers he had them taken to a noble lodging and there entertained with the best cheer and said he let no dainty be spared for the romans are great lords and though their message please me not yet must i remember mine honour then the lords and knights of the round table were called on to declare their counsel what should be done upon this matter and sir cador of cornwall speaking first said sir this message is the best news i have heard for a long time for we have been now idle and at rest for many days and i trust that thou wilt make sharp war upon the romans wherein i doubt not we shall all gain honour i believe well said arthur that thou art pleased sir cador but that is scarce an answer to the emperor of rome and his demand doth grieve me sorely for truly i will never pay him tribute wherefore lords i pray ye counsel me now i have understood that belinus and brennius knights of britain held the roman empire in their hands for many days and also constantine the son of helen which is open evidence not only that we owe rome no tribute but that i being descended from them may of right myself claim the empire then said king anguish of scotland sir thou oughtest of right to be above all other kings for in all christendom there is not thine equal and i counsel thee never to obey the romans for when they reigned here they grievously distressed us and put the land to great and heavy burdens and here for my part i swear to avenge me on them when i may and will furnish thee with twenty thousand men-at-arms whom i will pay and keep and who shall wait on thee with me when it shall please thee then the king of little britain rose and promised king arthur thirty thousand men and likewise many other kings and dukes and barons promised aid as the lord of west wales thirty thousand men sir ewain and his cousin thirty thousand men and so forth sir lancelot also and every other knight of the round table promised each man a great host so the king passing joyful at their courage and good will thanked them all heartily and sent for the ambassadors again to hear his answer i will said he that ye now go back straight away unto the emperor your master and tell him that i give no heed to his words for i have conquered all my kingdoms by the will of god and by my own right arm and i am strong enough to keep them without paying tribute to any earthly creature but on the other hand i claim both tribute and submission from himself and also claim the sovereignty of all his empire 
whereto i am entitled by the right of my own ancestors sometime kings of this land and say to him that i will shortly come to rome and by god's grace will take possession of my empire and subdue all rebels wherefore lastly i command him and all the lords of rome that they forthwith pay me their homage under pain of my chastisement and wrath then he commanded his treasurers to give the ambassadors great gifts and defray all their charges and appointed sir cador to convey them worshipfully out of the land so when they returned to rome and came before lucius he was sore angry at their words and said i thought this arthur would have instantly obeyed my orders and have served me as humbly as any other king but because of his fortune in gaul he hath grown insolent uh lord said one of the ambassadors refrain from such vain words for truly i and all with me were fearful at his royal majesty and angry countenance i fear me thou hast made a rod for thee more sharp than thou hast counted on he meaneth to be master of this empire and is another kind of man than thou supposest and holdeth the most noble court of all the world we saw him on the new year's day served at his table by nine kings and the noblest company of other princes lords and knights that was ever in all the world and in his person he is the most manly-seeming man that liveth, and looketh like to conquer all the earth. Then Lucius sent his messengers to all the subject countries of Rome, and brought together a mighty army, and assembled sixteen kings, and many dukes, princes, lords, and admirals, and a wondrous great multitude of people. Fifty giants also, born of fiends, were set around him for a bodyguard, with all that host he straightway went from rome and passed beyond the mountains into gaul and burned the towns and ravaged all the country of that province in rage for its submission to king arthur then he moved on towards little britain meanwhile king arthur having held a parliament at york left the realm in charge of sir badawine and sir constantine and crossed the sea from sandwich to meet lucius and so soon as he was landed he sent sir gawain sir bors sir lionel and sir bedivere to the emperor commanding him to move swiftly and in haste out of his land and if not to make himself ready for battle and not continue ravaging the country and slaying harmless people anon those noble knights attired themselves and set forth on horseback to where they saw in a meadow many silken tents of diverse colours and the emperor's pavilion in the midst with a golden eagle set above it then sir gawain and sir bors rode forward leaving the other two behind in ambush and gave king arthur's message to which the emperor replied return and tell your lord that i am come to conquer him and all his land at this sir gawain burned with anger and cried out i had rather than all france that i might fight with thee alone and i also said sir bors then a knight named ganius and a near cousin to the emperor laughed out loud and said lo how these britons boast and are full of pride bragging as though they bear up all the world at these words sir gawain could refrain no longer but drew forth his sword and with one blow shore off ganius's head 
and then with Sir Bors he turned his horse, and rode over waters and through woods back to the ambush, where Sir Lionel and Sir Bedivere were waiting. The Romans followed fast behind them, till the knights turned and stood. Then Sir Bors smote the foremost of them through the body with a spear, and slew him on the spot. Then came on Calibere, the huge Pavian, but Sir Bors overthrew him also. Then the company of Sir Lionel and Sir Bedivere braked from their ambush, and fell on the Romans, and slew, and hewed them down, and forced them to return and flee, chasing them to their tents. But as they neared the camp, a great host more rushed forth, and turned the battle backwards, and in the turmoil Sir Bors and Sir Berel fell into the Romans' hands. When Sir Gawain saw that, he drew his good sword, Galotine, and swore to see King Arthur's face no more if those two knights were not delivered and then with good Sir Idris made so sore an onslaught that the Romans fled and left Sir Bors and Sir Burrell to their friends. So the Britons returned in triumph to King Arthur, having slain more than ten thousand Romans and lost no man of worship from amongst themselves. When the Emperor Lucius heard of that discomfiture, he arose with all his army to crush King Arthur and met him in the Vale of Soissons, then speaking to all his host he said sirs i admonish you that this day ye fight and acquit yourselves as men and remembering how rome is chief of all the earth and mistress of the universal world suffer not these barbarous and savage britons to abide our onset at that the trumpets blew so loud that the ground trembled and shook then did the rival hosts draw near each other with great shoutings, and when they closed, no tongue can tell the fury of their smiting, and the sore struggling wounds and slaughter. Then King Arthur, with his mightiest knights, rode down into the thickest of the fight, and drew Excalibur, and slew as lightning slays for swiftness and for force. And in the midmost crowd he met a giant, Galapas by name, and struck off both of his legs at the knee-joints, and then saying, Now thou art a better size to deal with, smote his head off at a second blow, and the body killed six men in falling down. Anon King Arthur spied where Lucius fought, and worked great deeds of prowess with his own hands. Forthwith he rode at him, and each attacked the other, passing fiercely, till at the last Lucius struck King Arthur with a fearful wound across the face, and Arthur in return, lifting Excalibur on high, drove it with all his force upon the Emperor's head, shivering his helmet, crashing his head in halves, and splitting his body to the breast. And when the Romans saw their Emperor dead, they fled in hosts of thousands, and King Arthur and his knights and all his army followed them, and slew one hundred thousand men. Then returning to the field, King Arthur rode to the place where Lucius lay dead, and round him the kings of Egypt and Ethiopia, and seventeen other kings, with sixty Roman senators, all noble men. All these he ordered to be carefully embalmed with aromatic gums, and laid in leaden coffins covered with their shields and arms and banners. Then calling for three senators who were taken prisoners, he said to them, as the ransom of your lives, 
I will that ye take these dead bodies and carry them to Rome, and there present them for me, with these letters saying I will myself be shortly there, and I suppose the Romans will beware how they again ask tribute of me, for tell them these dead bodies that I send them are the tribute they have dared to ask of me, and if they wish for more when I come, I will pay them the rest. And so with that charge the three senators departed with the dead bodies, and went to Rome, the body of the emperor being carried on a chariot blazoned with the arms of the empire, all alone, and the bodies of the kings, two and two, in chariots following. After the battle King Arthur entered Lorraine, Brabant, and Flanders, and thence subduing all the countries as he went, passed into Germany, and so beyond the mountains into Lombardy and Tuscany. At length he came before a city which refused to obey him, wherefore he sat down before it to besiege it. And after a long time thus spent, King Arthur called Sir Florence and told him they began to lack food for his hosts. And not far from hence, said he, are great forests full of cattle belonging to my enemies. Go then and bring by force all that thou canst find, and take with thee Sir Gawain, my nephew, and Sir Clegis, Sir Claremon, the captain of Cardiff, and a strong band. Anon those knights made ready, and rode over holts and hills, and through forests and woods, till they came to a great meadow full of fair flowers and grass, and there they rested themselves and their horses that night. And at the dawn of the next day Sir Gawain took his horse and rode away from his fellows to seek some adventure. Soon he saw an armed knight walking his horse by a wood's side, with his shield laced to his shoulder, and no attendant with him save a page bearing a mighty spear, and on his shield were blazoned three gold griffins. When Sir Gawain spied him, he put his spear in rest, and riding straight to him asked who he was. "'A Tuscan,' said he, "'and they mayest prove me when thou wilt, for thou shalt be my prisoner ere we part.' Then said Sir Gawain, "'Thou vauntest thee greatly, and speakest proud words, yet I counsel thee for all thy boastings. Look to thyself the best thou canst.' At that they took their spears, and ran at each other with all the might they had, and smote each other through their shields into their shoulders, and then drawing swords smote with great strokes until the fire sprang out of their helms. Then was Sir Gawain enraged, and with his good sword Galotine struck his enemy through shield and hauberk, and splintered into pieces all the precious stones of it, and made so huge a wound that men might see both lungs and liver. At that the Tuscan, groaning loudly, rushed on to Sir Gawain, and gave him a deep slanting stroke, and made a mighty wound, and cut a great vein asunder, so that he bled fast. Then he cried out, Bind thy wound quickly up, Sir Knight, for thou bebloodest all thy horse and thy fair armour, and all the surgeons of the world shall never staunch thy blood for so shall it be to whomsoever is hurt with this good sword. Then answered Sir Gawain, It grieveth me but little, and thy boastful words give me no fear, for thou shalt suffer greater grief and sorrow ere we part. But tell me quickly who can staunch this blood. 
that can i do said the strange knight and will if thou wilt aid and succour me to become christened and to believe on god which now i do require of thee upon thy manhood i am content said sir gawain and may god help me to grant all thy wishes but tell me first what soughtest thou thus here alone and of what land art thou sir said the knight my name is prianius and my father is a great prince who hath rebelled against rome he is descended from alexander and hector and of our lineage also were joshua and maccabeus i am of right the king of alexandria and africa and all the outer isles yet i would believe in the lord thou worshippest and for thy labour i will give thee treasure enough i was so proud in heart that i thought none my equal but now have i encountered with thee who hast given me my fill of fighting wherefore i pray thee sir knight tell me of thyself i am no knight said sir gawain i have been brought up many years in the wardrobe of the noble prince king arthur to mind his armour and array ah said prianius if his varlets be so keen and fierce his knights must be passing good now for the love of heaven whether thou be knight or knave tell me thy name by heaven said gawain now i will tell thee the truth my name is sir gawain and i am a knight of the round table now am i better pleased said prianius than if thou hadst given me all the province of paris the rich i had rather have been torn by wild horses than that any varlet should have won such victory over me as thou hast done but now sir knight i warn thee that close by is the duke of lorraine with sixty thousand good men of war and we had both best flee at once for he will find us else and we be sorely wounded and never likely to recover and let my page be careful that he blow no horn for hard by are a hundred knights my servants and if they seize thee no ransom of gold or silver would acquit thee then sir gawain rode over a river to save himself and sir prianius after him and so they both fled till they came to his companions who were in the meadow where they spent the night when sir wishard saw sir gawain so hurt he ran to him weeping and asked him who it was had wounded him and sir gawain told him how he had fought with that man pointing to prianius who had salves to heal them both but i can tell ye other tidings said he that soon we must encounter many enemies for a great army is close to us on our front then prianius and sir gawain alighted and let their horses graze while they unarmed and when they took their armour and their clothing off the hot blood ran down freshly from their wounds till it was piteous to see but prianius took from his page a vial filled from the four rivers that flow out of paradise and anointed both their wounds with a certain balm and washed them with that water and within an hour afterwards they were both as sound and whole as ever they had been then at the sound of a trumpet all the knights were assembled to council and after much talking prianius said cease your words for i warn you in yonder wood ye shall find knights out of number who will put out cattle for a decoy to lead you on and ye are not seven hundred nevertheless said sir gawain 
Let us at once encounter them and see what they can do, and may the best have the victory. Then they saw suddenly an earl named Sir Ethelwold and the Duke of Dutchman come leaping out of ambush in the woods in front with many a thousand after them, and all rode straight down to the battle, and Sir Gawain, full of ardor and courage, comforted his knights, saying, They are all ours. Then the seven hundred knights in one close company set spurs to their horses and began to gallop and fiercely met their enemies, and then were men and horses slain and overthrown on every side, and in and out amidst them all the knights of the round table pressed and thrust and smote down to the earth all who withstood them, till at length the whole of them turned back and fled. "'By heaven,' said Sir Gawain, "'this gladdeneth well my heart.' for now behold them as they flee they are full seventy thousand less in number than they were an hour ago thus was the battle quickly ended and a great host of high lords and knights of lombardy and saracens left dead upon the field then sir gawain and his company collected a great plenty of cattle and of gold and silver and all kind of treasure and returned to king arthur where he still kept the siege now god be thanked cried he but who is he that standeth yonder by himself and seemeth not a prisoner sir said sir gawain he is a good man with his weapons and hath matched me but cometh hither to be made a christian had it not been for his warnings we none of us should have been here this day i pray thee therefore let him be baptized for there can be few nobler men or better knights so Prianius was christened and made a duke and a knight of the round table. Presently afterwards they made a last attack upon the city and entered by the walls on every side, and as the men were rushing to the pillage came the duchess forth with many ladies and damsels and kneeled before King Arthur and besought him to receive their submission, to whom the king made answer with a noble countenance, madam be well assured that none shall harm ye or your ladies neither shall any that belong to thee be hurt but the duke must abide my judgment then he commanded to stay the assault and took the keys from the duke's eldest son who brought them kneeling anon the duke was sent a prisoner to dover for his life and rents and taxes were assigned for dowry of the duchess and her children then went he on with all his hosts, winning all towns and castles, and wasting them that refused obedience, till he came to Viterbo. From thence he sent to Rome to ask the senators whether they would receive him for their lord and governor. In answer came out to him all the senate who remained alive, and the cardinals, with a majestic retinue and procession, and laying great treasures at his feet, they prayed him to come in at once to Rome, and there be peaceably crowned as emperor. "'At this next Christmas,' said King Arthur, "'will I be crowned and hold my round table in your city?' Anon he entered Rome in mighty pomp and state, and after him came all his hosts and his knights and princes and great lords, arrayed in gold and jewels, such as never were beheld before and then was he crowned emperor by the pope's hands with all the highest solemnity that could be made then after his coronation 
he abode in rome for a season settling his lands and giving kingdoms to his knights and servants to each one after his deserving and in such wise fashion that no man among them all complained also he made many dukes and earls and loaded all his men-at-arms with riches and great treasures when all this was done the lords and knights and all the men of great estate came together before him and said noble emperor by the blessing of eternal god thy mortal warfare is all finished and thy conquests all achieved for now in all the world is none so great and mighty as dare make war with thee wherefore we beseech and heartily pray thee of thy noble grace to turn thee homeward and to give us also leave to see our wives and homes again for now we have been from them a long season and all thy journey is completed with great honour and worship ye say well replied he and to tempt god is no wisdom therefore make ready in all haste and turn we home to england so king arthur returned with his knights and lords and armies in great triumph and joy through all the countries he had conquered and commanded that no man upon pain of death should rob or do any violence by the way and crossing the sea he came at length to sandwich where queen guinevere received him and made great joy at his arrival and through all the realm of britain was there such rejoicing as no tongue can tell End of chapter eight recording by thomas rose